You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. All right, so what we're going to do today, guys, is we're going to talk a bit about kind of what the church is in through the lens of this thing we call the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, we, this is a term you're going to see a lot come out of Jesus' mouth as you read the Bible. Um, we're going to explore this central idea to Jesus' ministry over the next few weeks. Uh, but today we're going we're gonna to take a look at a specific passage and uh, see what it says to us, okay? So we're going to pick up here. In Matthew 9, verse 35, and we're going to read a little ways into chapter 10 as well. Um, Might skip a few verses, like a long list of names and stuff like that. But uh, Matthew 9, starting in verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field, into his harvest field. Starting up in chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. We'll skip ahead to verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. There's a similar account in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus basically says some of these same words to a group of 72 disciples. And it tells us in that passage that he sent out these 72 two by two to do the same sort of stuff. Now, what I want us to catch as we get started here is that Jesus taught about the kingdom in word and deed. That's a a phrase you're going to see in different places in the scripture. And that is why you see in the sentence I recited before I talked about giving that we talk here at Lifetree about declaring and displaying Jesus. We believe that there is this call to speak it, but also show it. There is this this declaration that happens through the display of the kingdom. And we can see that in Jesus' ministry, right? It says he went and he taught in the synagogues and he proclaimed the kingdom. And then what? Anybody remember? He taught in the synagogues, he proclaimed the kingdom, and he healed the sick. And he cleansed them of diseases, and he cast out demons, and he He did all these miracles. He went around making the world better. And he had this line that we see again and again where he would say, the kingdom has come near to you. 
And in that line, there's this sense in which he is saying the age to come. Because when he talks about the kingdom of God, we'll get into this in weeks to come, but he's talking about this age to come when God makes all things right. And in Jesus... Where he went, that was happening. That's why healing's happening. That's why people are raised from the dead. That's why the poor are being fed, all this sort of stuff. And he's saying, like, when you've been around me, you're getting a taste of the future age here and now. That was who Jesus was. There's this sense in which he's so surrendered to the Father that everywhere he went, what it looks like to have God be king was manifesting around him. What it looks like when and where God is king is what it looked like wherever Jesus went. He was displaying what the kingdom looks like. Sort of like this sense, you, 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 you get the aroma of heaven through the life of Jesus. How many of you know when you're walking by a good restaurant? I know when I walk by anywhere that's got smoked meat going on in their in their back room look at drew shaking his head yes drew drew loves to smoke meat drew is good at smoking meat uh when you smell smoked meat you know you're in for something good it's a foretaste of the age to come, you know. There, there, there is this sense in which this is like what Jesus was. Jesus went around as this foretaste of what's to come. And in many ways, you know, what was wrong in the world was being made right in the presence of Jesus. Or it was being confronted one or the other. But everywhere Jesus went, he went as this display of what the kingdom of God is like, and things were made right, or people were really upset, and they rejected him for who he was and all that sort of stuff. Um, but that's, that's what it looked like, declare and display the kingdom. And then he does this interesting thing after those first few verses that we read that tell us that Jesus went about doing this stuff. He's just finished saying the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And what's the, next, what's the next part of the verses? What's the next part of the story? Pray, yeah. And after prayer, then what? He sends his disciples. He gathers his 12 disciples to him, and then, then the account in Luke that I referred to, 72. And he gathers them, and he sends them to go do the exact same thing. He says, go into these towns and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. And heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, do all the stuff of making things right that you've seen me doing. And there's this sense in which what we see Jesus doing is Jesus establishes and sends churches out into the world. In other, we, we see that in the, the Luke account where he sends the 72. He sends them out two by two. He doesn't send them alone. He sends them out two by two. And so what I want to look at with us is when we look at this text, we can see what we refer to sometimes as these three essential ingredients of the church preached on this a couple of years ago. But there's a reason those three words are up there on our stage. 
worship, community, and mission. Because we actually believe that those three things are the key ingredients that make up what it is for us to be the church. What it is for us to do church. It's worship, community, and mission. And you can see those things happening in the verses that we read. Uh, First of all, worship. We don't see any record in that of them singing songs or reading psalms. What we see is people who follow Jesus hearing what he says and obeying him. There is this sense that we we need to understand worship in bigger terms. We need to understand worship as adoration and obedience. And so there is this profound thing that happens when we come in here and we sing songs together that it's supposed to be grabbing hold of our hearts and the adoration of Jesus and who he is and his worth. But that is to lead to a life of obedience. A life that when you hear what he says, when you read the scriptures, you're actually going, what's it going to look like to do that? Not enough to just sit back and observe and applaud and adore, but to actually get engaged. To actually do what it says. Yeah, we go on about that. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. But we see that happening in the text, this worship. They, they, They hear Jesus give a command and they go and they do it. Community said it. He sends them out two by two. I find it really intriguing that, you know, you've got this group of 72 in the Luke account, and he doesn't send them all out as one big team city to city, but he doesn't send them out alone either. He sends them out in pairs. He sends them out as teams. There is this dynamic that happens in that smaller group where there is that camaraderie, there's the team, but there's also space for meaningful contribution for everybody on the team. In other words, when you have a large, there's something about smaller context that really matters, and that's why we're going to be urging you guys and exhorting you, like, involve yourself in some smaller context of community. There's going to be, you know, opportunities to get involved. They're highlighted at tables out there after the service. Go find out what those groups are about. Go get yourself involved in real community. Lastly, mission. You see the mission in the text we read. You can see that they're out there actually uh, going about doing good, making things right. I like to think of this in terms, Tim Keller wrote a book called Generous Justice. And that that was his vision for what mission is. It's this spirit of generous giving. But it's also this justice, making things right in the world. But the, the, the key idea for us as the church is that that justice is not the version of it we often see being proclaimed out in the world that's angry and vengeful, but it's got a generous spirit about it. That there's something in the church that's supposed to display the beauty of the kingdom and how we go about doing justice in the world. And a generosity of spirit. And I didn't have time to compile it and show you all exactly, so I'm just going to tell you, and you can look into it yourself. Believe me, if you will. Uh, but, but there's a bunch of studies done by universities that actually show how all these things, like different studies, worship, community, mission, like giving, right, are actually good for us. They actually do you good. When you involve yourself in them, there's a flourishing that happens to us as people when we are involved in actually fixing our hearts in something higher and bigger and better than ourselves, namely Jesus and God upon the throne. 
There's actually a, a reality, like Harvard did a study that they did over 75 years gathering data and research on people. And the, the study was summarized in essentially saying people in community are happier and healthier, period. <laughs> that was, that was the, the big 75 years to figure that out, right? But there's, there's this reality that there's a bunch of data that shows that people who are actually in meaningful relationship and connection are healthier and happier. Loneliness is a great plague in our society today. And then there's other data that shows that people who actually are not just recipients of social help, but givers of social help live longer. Like there's actually data that shows that people who serve others, who give from their own resource for the good of others, not for the good of themselves, live longer. You can look it up yourself. I'm not going to get into all the, the data. But there's this idea, guys, that as we be the church, do the church, worship, community, mission, We display the age to come. We become an agent through which God causes the world, the society, the lives of others, our own lives to flourish. And there's this sense in which this is, as I've been meditating on this this week, it's like there's this sense in which we as the church, what we do, whether it's in here all together today, worshiping, singing songs, looking into the word, or whether it's in smaller contexts at homes, around tables, or in living rooms, or, or out serving in the community in some way, what we are doing is we are rehearsing the age to come. We, we're, we're out there in the world being this picture rehearsing that which is to come, giving the world around a glimpse at the kingdom of God, the age to come in which things will be made right. And I think to myself, I found myself, you know, thinking on this because our second born, I don't know if he's still back there at the computer or not, the computer's up high, but uh, he's a performer. He does musical theater, he does dance, and I can think of times where he's been you know, preparing for a role, and we get the opportunity of being in the house, hearing him sing his song, seeing him work through his dance steps and prepare for performance. We get a preview. We get a foretaste of what it is. But it doesn't, it doesn't compare to when they actually hit the stage and there's the costumes and there's the music and there's everybody involved. And so there's an age to come when Jesus, the, the scriptures teach us that the resurrected King Jesus will return will make the world right, will bring justice and righteousness to the earth. We as the church get to rehearse that age in our being together, in our worshiping together, in our caring for one another, in our serving the city in which we live. We rehearse the age to come, and we've been given this job by Jesus, like he gave to his disciples in the text we read, to go and do like he did in the earth. That's who we are. This is our call. This is our role. And it's good for us. You know, there's times where we, we run into uh, messes in our lives, right? And I find myself at times when I'm approached by people who, who find themselves in a mess, some of my first question is like, what are your worship practices look like? Where are you plugged into community? Where are you giving and serving? 
Because these things actually bring strength to our life. I'm not saying that join a small group and it will fix everything in your life. That is not, that's not the idea. But there, but there is this, this reality that these things, they actually benefit us. They do us good. They're good for your soul. They're good for society. They're good for your family. They're, they're good. They're good. I was praying this morning in here, just I often come in, Lord, what do you want to do today? And as I was praying and meditating on what we're talking about, I was reminded of a tree. And we are called Life Tree Church here at Victoria. But what I found myself thinking on is this, this beautiful image that we have in nature that trees receive into them that which is not actually good for us, right? Carbon dioxide, CO2. But the output from the tree is oxygen. It's what we need. It's what we breathe. It actually, trees have this role in which they keep the air which we breathe pure, clean, breathable, good for us. I felt like the Lord just highlighting that, saying that's how my church works. The church receives into it. Like when God looks out on the world, And he sees the mess, he sees the sin, he sees the brokenness. His remedy and his plan for it is take you into the church, get you fixed up, and make you a contributing member of society. Good for the world. And there's this reality in which, as a result, guys, we're, we're a group full of sinners, full of difficult people full of problems, full of pain, full of all of our stuff, but in our together, God does something beautiful to the world. God does something beautiful through us. And in many ways, it's even in our brokenness that we get to display the goodness of the age to come, that somehow those people can get along, can love each other, so that something, God can do something good with their life. And we have this role, guys, that in our rehearsal of the kingdom, it's, we're not just playing games. We're not just like kids, you know, playing house and, and nothing's coming of it. It's not just pretend. There's this reality that when we rehearse the kingdom, we stand in a decaying, rotting, broken world as a purifying agent as a cleansing agent, as this this company of people who's loving one another is actually having an effect on the broader world. You may not see it. You may not feel it at times. It might be hard to believe, but the reality is, is that as a people hold on to the truth and learn to love one another, it has an effect on the broader world. So as we think about this, I, I find, you know, myself aware that there's a lot of us at times have had uh, a sense of, you know, disappointment or disillusionment with the church. And there, there's a good chance that if you're here today, um, you're maybe not like deeply entrenched in a moment like that in your life because you came out on a Sunday morning to, to, to worship and to hear teaching. But the reality is all of us get hit with that at different times, right? And you hear that line, like, I love Jesus, but I don't know about church. Anybody ever heard that? Felt that, you know? Uh, felt that didn't get as many raised hands. But anyway, the, uh, there's this reality, guys, that, that, 
Disappointment with the church can be prophetic. What I mean by that is that, that to be disappointed, yeah, you might actually see something that's broken and needs fixing, right? And there's a place for that prophetic voice that says, hey, that needs to change, or this way that something's being done could be done better, or whatever. But disdain for the church is different than disappointment. Disdain for the church actually, I believe, reflects more on you and your maturity than it does on the church. Because there's this reality that, that, that we are called into, if we follow Jesus, to love one another. And you don't love one another, like sometimes maybe you have to do it from a distance, but you have to be in relationship with people to really walk that out, to really learn it. And so to say things like, you know, I love the church, but I'm not so sure about Jesus, uh, it just doesn't really work. You know, imagine the 72 when Jesus comes and says, okay, I'm going to send you guys out to do this stuff, and I'm sending you out two by two, and they go, no, nah, Jesus, I don't, I don't really like Matthew. You know, I, I'll, go, I'll go alone. I'll go do it by myself. No, Jesus came and he said, go two by two. If you're worshiping Jesus, you hear and obey. If Jesus has called you to connect yourself to a particular group of people, to work with them, to do life with them, to do community with them, your option of what it looks like to love Jesus is obey. So there's this call to, to involve ourselves in some form of group of people that is practicing worship, community, and mission together. We were at a youth worship night on Friday, uh, and the guy who was preaching at it, some of you youth maybe remember this, but he talked about this very thing, about if you say you love Jesus but not his church, you know, it doesn't really work well for you because I mean, he said, gave us an illustration. Imagine you want to be a good soccer player. Yeah, you could practice alone in your garage if you want to, but you're going to be way better off joining a team and practicing on a field. And there's a sense in which it's like join a team and get on the field. If you want, if you want to actually grow in your pursuit of Jesus, get on a team and get on the field. You're not going to do it well alone at home in the garage. Scrolling social media or whatever else it might look like solo. To say I like Jesus but not so sure about the church is like someone coming to me and being like, hey, I like you, I want to be friends with you, but I don't really like your wife. That's going to have an impact on how close of friends we can be. You know? It's going to really limit our capacity to be close because this is the person I've attached myself to for life. We're one. We're a team. We come together, right? So you want to be friends with me, but you don't like my wife, it's just not going to work out very well. We can't love Jesus and hate the church. And yeah, it's messy. And yeah, there's pain. And yeah, there's sinful people in the church. Right, right here. But this work of learning to be in community and learning to love one another and do life together and do mission together and worship Jesus together, it's countercultural. 
So there's this sense in which when you say yes to being a part of this group of people he has called out for the good of the world, you're going against the current. You're standing against the tide. And so, yeah, sometimes it would be easier to just, like, recluse onto the couch and turn on Netflix and scroll, you know, and just go into my little place. And there, there's a place. I mean, I'm, I'm introverted for sure. There's a place to be alone and recoup and all that. But there is this necessary component to following Jesus that involves being in community, being in relationship being on mission together. And again, guys, as we do this, we rehearse the age to come. That's what I call today, rehearsal. I rarely ever tell you guys my message titles, but they, they help me file them and all that. And we're rehearsing the kingdom together. We're rehearsing the future age to come in the here and now as his church. And we get to be a part of the ecosystem, if you will, that he has designed for us to be in the world when we do so. Like the tree that takes in the CO2 and puts out oxygen. That's who we are. It's who you are, Life Tree Church. It's who you are in the city of Victoria. And so the, the invitation, the call is get engaged. Practice the way of Jesus together. Rehearse the age to come in the here and now together. And as you know, we did throughout the summer, we were doing discussions after our messages. Today, we're not going to do a discussion time. Today, we're going to ask when you leave the room to go outside and go to a tent that's been set up with information about different places you can get involved and, and get engaged in the church because we're, we're looking to not just have good conversations, but to actually be actively involved. In the church, serving one another, but also as the church, serving the city. Right? There's these, there's these two components of what it looks like to engage in meaningful service as a community. Again, I'll say it. It's, it's to one another in the church, but it's also to the world as the church. That's who we're called to be. So lots of opportunities to get involved, more to develop as we carry on this journey together as a family, all about Jesus, all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives, benefit our city. But before I release you and we head out there and we go have lunch and continue to connect, I want to pray. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And we're going to be wrapped up in here. Father, first and most, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for the beautiful, perfect display of what your kingdom looks like that we can see in his life. Father, I ask that by your spirit and by your grace, you would help us to be a people who say yes to the call. To go out, whether it's two by two or or. or bigger groups, but God, to go out together, worshiping you, practicing community and love for one another, and on mission serving this world. Father, I ask for your spirit to move in power in and through your church 
in our day. That your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.